Lovely. Uh, so when I start these interviews, um, or sorry, these chats, I don't like to call them interviews, these chats, I like to kind of start with the statistics of the person that I'm having this chat with. And in this case, uh, I would like to ask you, I'm going to try and do this like you. <laughs> and I want you to tell me how good I do it, okay? Because uh, okay. you have a very particular way of doing this. And I, I, I want to see if I can nail it down, okay? So here we go. Um, this is the most stressed I've ever been in one of these chats, okay? Okay, here we go. I thought this was supposed to be casual. <laughs> it is, but I've made myself stressed. <laughs> I got a little up to the hype here. Okay. okay. Hi there, and welcome to Searching for Pixels. It's like the Andrew Marr show, but less political. My guest to Jerry. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, yeah, getting there. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing with me is that I take, I do a lot of takes of just the high. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so basically when I'm sitting down, um, my wife is constantly laughing in the background of all my audio because I'm just going, hi, hi. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Welcome back. Hi. And welcome to the sit course. And then I'll redo it one more time and then kind of get into the swinging things. It's just that the very first time you say hi just sounds a bit weird and harsh. And in the audio waveforms, that's always a bit wrong. Mm -hmm. So you kind of just, you repeat it a few times and then you get the best take. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I know what you mean about that. Like, uh, I get very self-conscious in my house because there's somebody else here as well. And um, sitting down in the same room doing stuff like this, I'm like, oh, they can hear me. Like, put headphones on while I do this. <laughs> I don't want you listening. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is literally happening right now for me. Um, oh. <laughs> actually, the one thing that I do in, <laughs> to get my wife to go to the other room is, so in one of the scripts that I'm currently working on, I mispronounce one of the characters' names in the game in such a way that, and I do it so seriously, that she can't help but just start laughing and she has to go. <laughs> and is she, does she appear up on the audio or do you have to, you know, can you edit I, it out? Or is it not too oh, bad? I, I can edit it out, but I mean, I'll just redo that line again. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, she's throwing me the finger right now, but, you know. <laughs> oh, it's, very it's nice. Good. And where are you uh, right now? Are you uh, in the UK um, or I am. are you somewhere else? Okay, very nice. So where else? Uh, in London, literally right next to Wembley Stadium. Oh, wow. Lovely. <laughs> uh, I was guessing uh, from the accent and uh, also a picture you put on Twitter about a week ago of uh, there was a cheeky Nando's in the corner. I was thinking, ah, this guy, judging from the picture, he might be in Europe somewhere, probably, probably England with a Nando's in the corner. I mean, it says London on my profile on Twitter, no? Oh, oh, maybe. I, I missed that bit. I thought <laughs> I you I was... like, collected stats and stuff, no? I, I do. I've got, I've got all the stats here and all these questions, but uh, the obvious stuff eludes me, apparently. My God. Yeah, it does say London. Saying, well, <laughs> Saying that, um, Eurothug4000, shall we just call her by her name? Because I, I sound like an idiot when I say that. Um, mm. Maria, she thought I was from New Zealand. And that's purely based on the fact that I like I send like nice messages to Mitch every now and then in public because uh, his entire aesthetic is the sad boy. And yeah. you know, sometimes you can't tell if he's joking or if he's just leaning into the aesthetic or if he's actually being serious. So I'll send him a bunch of positivity. And for some reason, based on these strange interactions 
And even after watching all of my videos, she thinks she thought I was from New Zealand, and I was like, New Zealand. We live in this. Yeah, we we literally live in the same city. We have the same <laughs> accent. <laughs> Maybe it's from the videos because uh, your style of speaking is a bit more um, pronounced and enveloped. Maybe uh, that threw her off a little bit. I mean, that that's purely because I have a stutter. Ah, okay. <laughs> mm. Mm, mm. And uh, so you speak to, to Mitch sometimes uh, and Eurothug, uh, as you were saying. Uh, are there many other YouTubers that you speak to you speak to regularly? Because with your sharing nostalgia video you made um, not too long ago, uh, there were quite a lot of YouTubers that were um, adding in their opinions and their thoughts to your video. Are there many others that you um, collaborate with and speak to that often? Um, it's a strange one, really, because like I'm not, I don't know if we're friends or if we're kind of like colleagues or peers. Like there is a there is a mutual respect between like people like Raz, um, Mitch, Maria, mm -hmm. um, Isaac, Matt, and like that, and obviously the whole kind of ecosystem, if you will. Um, there is a mutual respect, and I know a lot of them are friends. I, I I don't know. I find myself to be more of a kind of outsider because I don't exactly like hang out in their Discord channels or talk to them on a constant, regular basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, I'd love to be friends with them, like, on the on that kind of level. I'm just, I just have so much other stuff, and I don't know how to incorporate these people into my life. Like, in terms of, I mean, for, for the most part, I just watch their stuff. And yeah, yeah. I like their stuff. I, you know, want everyone to see their stuff. And as much influence that I do have, I will use it to say, hey, this is a great video. Watch it. This is another one. Watch it. And I'll bombard everyone that will ever follow me with stuff that I find interesting to watch because I want these people to continue doing that because that is my entertainment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what was it like specifically working with them for that sharing nostalgia video uh, collaboratively, you know, asking their opinions, getting their recordings and stuff? How was that experience for you? Um, it's kind of, I'd say it's pretty standard for, well, from, from my perspective. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of reached out to them on Twitter individually and said, hi, first of all, look, I'm going to be making a video again. Ha ha. Um, after, <laughs> yeah, surprise. Uh, um, have you played Final Fantasy VII? Have you played Final Fantasy VII Remake? What was your favorite game growing up? And that was it. And they gave me their answers. And I said, you sound like a great candidate for this video. I would like your perspective. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, damn, I'm down. I was like, okay, cool. How's this date? And then we'll sit down and then we'll record and they'll just record their audio for me, send it across, and then I'll edit it. It was, I'm, I'm going to be honest, it was pretty clinical to yeah. a certain extent. I think that's, I, I don't know, I find myself very clinical when it comes to these situations. Like, the these calls, like, they only lasted about, like, 15 minutes. They talked for 15 minutes apiece each. Yeah. Um, I asked them, like, six or seven questions. They gave me their takes. And then that was it. Very nice. And you say that it was quite a clinical procedure. Um, does that come from your background from being a professional video editor uh, that you kind of know what to do and how to get it done and maybe is that why it's a bit more clinical um how did you know that 
Uh, I watched all your videos and wrote down as many questions as I could, and you mentioned it somewhere. Ah, okay. So, um, so actually, my background is in. Um, I started off as a filmmaker, so producing, directing, and editing. Yeah. Um, and I did a lot of corporate work. I did a lot of creative work, a lot of music videos, a lot of short films and commercials. And when you're in that kind of space, you kind of just learn that. All right, you need. You have a very specific set of questions that you need answers for. You know what kind of answers you want to get. And you ask these questions directed to them. You kind of like, you kind of play your audio, uh, your interviewee, I guess, okay. into going into the direction that you want and then coaxing the right answer. So, yeah. And then you, you don't, you listen to what they say but you listen to it in the way that you would listen when you're editing. So I don't know how familiar you are with like editing, like these, I don't, I don't know your process for editing these uh, chats, if you will. Um, but when I'm listening to interviews, I kind of listen to chunks of audio that they do and seeing what like 10 seconds I can take and say, that's like the clip. And then what can I build around it and what story I can form out of it? Oh, very nice. And is that still your current profession, being uh, um, working in this creative medium? Is that what you do right now? Um, so I started off as a filmmaker, and then I progressed into product design. So I kind of most of my work now is designing um, stuff for human interaction, like UX, UI. Um, and currently, I'm working for a boat company. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I do right now um and then i do have a, a bunch of like side projects and freelance gigs you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly um looking at your youtube channel you joined in 2015 uh late april 2015 did you ever have a presence before this uh, somewhere else on the channel like a, um, a, a previous channel somewhere some older videos anything like that oh yeah about six or seven other channels before this one. Oh my I, and yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I joined in 2005 when YouTube started. Yeah. And that was because, so interesting story. My career as a filmmaker started in The Sims 2. Okay. Um, so <laughs> back then, like 2004 was the time when like, it was kind of like the pinnacle of this kind of machinima movement and i don't know how much you know about that i remember watching it as a kid uh but i was probably too young to understand the behind the scenes of machinima i just enjoyed their content every now and then yeah yeah so i wanted to make films and being like 14 15 at that time like no one's gonna hire you no one's gonna give you a camera no one's gonna give you anything and plus i had like no friends so i didn't have anyone who would act for me mm -hmm. and i didn't have a yeah. camera um, so there was, I did not know how I was going to pursue this kind of dream that I had for myself with nothing, literally nothing. All I had was like a PC that could barely run any game, let alone whatever I wanted to. And uh, I saw something on the internet about this machine cinema stuff, right? Or yeah. happily now known as machinima. And yes. I was like, damn, this is cool. Um, and people were doing stuff in Quake 2 and... Um, obviously Halo with red versus blue. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of, this was probably the only time I was ever kind of like active in forums. Um, so I 
joined a whole bunch of forums like machinima.org and machinima.com and um, a bunch of other Sims websites. And yeah. we would talk all day about this. And I got into like modding The Sims 2 um, so that we could create all these costumes and characters. And you got to remember, this is 2004, 2005, and all the outfits are outrageously 2004 and 2005. Um <laughs> We're talking like My Chemical Romance hairstyles and oh god, yeah, Green Day, shit like that. Yep, all of that. Um, yeah. And <laughs> there was there was all of these people in this Sims forum um, making like videos, and we were building mods to you know like do like moving camera angles and stuff because The Sims Two changed from being like this isometric game into one where you could free roam the camera around. Yeah. Mind blowing at the time. Um, but then you could kind of moving the camera smoothly was a pain in the ass, but there was like macros where you could switch from camera one to camera two position and you could, and if you slowed down well via the mod, slowed down the camera movement to like a crawl, you could do these really cool camera sweeps whilst you program (laughs) your character to move around and do actions. And so, yeah, that was, that, that was amazing. Wow, and that was were you making like mini documentaries and stuff with The Sims too, using those those camera tricks? I was making like short films and music videos at the time. Oh wow, um, awesome! So they were that was really quite cool, and it was also like a creative expression. Like I, I the, the videos that I did back then were long, long gone now. Oh, okay, but, they um, didn't live anywhere. Yeah. They're not uh, hiding somewhere. I, I, if I can find them, I will delete them immediately <laughs> one of them one of them was like a music video to Lincoln Parks and oh, Nun or God. something like that and it was it was literally very it was a very literal reenaction of what that song was oh yeah. God like, oh. I, I, I'm having flashbacks to it it was that oh. was uh, very uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing uh, the good thing about having a teenage life before YouTube became a thing is that all of that stuff is like is long gone and I've grown up and matured. Like I feel bad for the current generation of young people who have all their meltdowns and dumb thoughts and ideas. And you know, you have those really cringy thoughts that if you think about what you thought about then, it's kind oh, of like, God, oh yeah. God. Oh, it makes me feel terrible to yeah. think, oh God, you've got exactly. rushing back to me now. Gross. Yeah. And obviously, the, you can't hate on young people having these thoughts because at some point they're going to learn what everything kind of means to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's out there, it's kind of being relayed and going viral and it's just like, Oh my God, I had these same thoughts, but (laughs) I'm so glad that I was, yeah. So yeah. yeah, um, And I joined YouTube in 2005 after this digression. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those those poor kids, like, uh, you make mistakes as a kid, but for them, it's just immortalized on the internet forever, shared about. And people aren't going to think these are kids. Let's forgive them. They're just going to laugh. <laughs> Those yeah, poor exactly. bastards. Yeah. Those yeah. Poor, poor yeah, bastards. So, had, the biggest problem that we had back then was that there was no way you could upload a video to playback of this, you know, of certain file sizes or quality or whatever. Because we were all working in like 240p. Oh, God, yeah. For, like 480 at the max if you could render that high if you if you would leave your computer on for like three days to render out windows movie maker um, <laughs> yeah. and so eventually youtube came and everyone was testing how it was just like oh my god 
this could be something where you could host the videos. And we did. And there you go. That's where it is. And then after that, 2010, I started a daily vlog. And I vlogged every day for five years without fail. Wow. Damn. And do they still exist, those vlogs, somewhere? They exist, but they are all private and no one can find them. And to be honest, I think it's more, if if you watched it now, you would see basically what amounts to a man falling into a really, really, really bad state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the first year was a really kind of like active, upbeat kind of one. The second year I got this job um, where I ended up becoming like a, a smuggler. And then the uh, third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah, the, let's. No. Oh, okay. okay <laughs> I was. Yeah. I was. I was like a smuggler for like two years. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, it's a. It's a part of my life that. Yeah, it's there. Um, and then the third, fourth, and fifth years of those vlogs, um, just kind of saw me fall into a really, really, really deep, dark depression. And I, I can't believe that people watch that. Like a couple of thousand people watch that every day. Mm-hmm. Just watch me just struggle and suffer and then like at the end of five years exactly i was like okay this is enough now i'm out i've done enough. i've done my part and did you have a grand finale or did you kind of just peter out and it, it settled away it, it faded out it faded, faded out. black yes <laughs> oh dear um speaking of uh you mentioned your depression there i was watching your video uh regarding that subject um and you said you suffered from depression since the age of 10 Uh, is that something that still affects you to this day and have you been coping with it oh yeah i mean depression is like it's a disease and it doesn't leave you Mm -hmm. it's always like a part of you you kind of just have to learn to live with it and thing is it's not like, oh no, everything is sad and miserable. It's like everything is numb. Everything is nothing. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of days when everything is just kind of numb and nothing and you just kind of just don't care anymore. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure this weekend I had one of those moments. Like, it lasted like from Sunday to Monday. Um, and it's... I don't know, it's hard to describe. You kind of just give up Mm -hmm. but at the same time you kind of just accept it some people it becomes a a thing where it kind of just defines them and that was me for a very long time um i'm very lucky in that my wife is very very supportive um she will give me the space and the time to kind of like let it happen and then the next day she'll be just like sort the, the fuck out and then we'll talk and yeah it's just like hey everything's better now <laughs> it, it's it's very strange because like not everyone will have that and that's something that like i can i'm fortunate in that i have someone that i can lean on and who can lean on me in those kind of times right? mm-hmm. um but not a lot of people have that and I mean, it's it's a tough topic because there is no, like, solution that can be universal, right? It's something that each and every person has to kind of find out for themselves. And it's not an easy process. No, no, there's there's lots of uh, 
things that go into it. I, I don't think personally, I don't think I ever suffered from depression in the way that people think about it, but I have had those long stretches of time where things didn't feel worthwhile in some regards. Uh, for me, it was when I was thinking um, thinking of the big questions of life, uh, kind of having a, an existential crisis in, in some regards. Like, for some reason, just one, I still remember it one day I was thinking about how big the universe was. And that just set off this whole chain of thinking and where for months I just didn't want to get out of bed properly and do anything because I realized everything was pointless. And um, Oh, that, that happens to everyone. Everyone has yeah. that moment at some point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that you have the big question and then it fucks you up. Yeah. And uh, f- for me, um, so, you know, it's not depression. You know, I'm not going to say that I had depression uh, with, with that those big questions. Um, but for me to get around that is I try to not think about it. Like, uh, I came to the conclusion that if it is that big and if it is that pointless, then uh, there's no point even thinking about it. I just got to try and get on with my day. Um, Precisely. And, you know, I suppose it worked at this point. <laughs> I don't really think about it much anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine if you had to feel like that every day with depression, that would just be so exhausting and so tiring. It is. Oh, my God. It is so exhausting. Yes. And your, your video you made about Hellblade... Um, really opened my eyes into the way that people from depression do suffer and particularly in that game the way that it portrays it because uh, i i did play it for a short time i played the vr version actually um oh god but uh yeah i didn't get very far though because someone stole my headset so <laughs> i don't have vr anymore um oh, i know uh, shit that's unfortunate yeah they uh, everyone was at work and i was uh and someone just kicked down the door and took everything and just uh Yanked all the electronics and ran away. Um, Man, that but, sucks. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's life. It's it's just stuff. Uh, but jokes on them. I actually had my prescription um, lenses in my VR headset, so they can't see shit. <laughs> They'll put it on, and uh, it won't make any sense to them. So that's some respite I have. And they also didn't steal the controllers. I had them dangling on the wall on a hook, and they just didn't oh, take them. Nice. So they've they got a headset that looks like crap. <laughs> but um, in terms of Hellblade. Uh, the one thing that I found very interesting was uh, spoilers for Hellblade, by the way, if anyone's uh, listening for this, um, is the very ending of Hellblade when you're fighting that endless wave of enemies, and you just yeah. have to essentially give up. You have to you have to put down the controller and say, "I, I can't do this. It's, it's too much." Um, I found that very very interesting. So, as someone who lives with psychosis and like just schizophrenia as a as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like it was a very strange message to kind of give to the audience. Because, like, on one hand, telling the player who's playing this that you're dealing with this this issue, if you will. It's a metaphor at the end of the day, right? The whole game is a metaphor for this life like this. Yeah. The end kind of message is you kind of just give into it, which... I don't know. Uh, It was a very strange message uh, for me in that, like, for someone who is living with this, it's... I don't think that's the message that you should take away. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the right one, at the very least. Um, Especially in that, for me personally... 
every day is a struggle and every day is a fight and you have to kind of just power through it and it's not easy some days you do want to give up some days you do want to just say no nope, i'm i'm done but it is mm-hmm. purely down to your you know like a, a drive dedication and discipline and you know do you think it was try. an accurate portrayal of um of depression for that for that ending uh, even though it may not have been the the best message to get across at the end of a potentially very important game for people who do suffer from depression do you think it was an accurate representation enough for depression for psych- for psychosis yes uh, so i mean depression and psychosis two very different things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um de- depression is that kind of that nothing feeling with the psychosis being like the hallucinations um so hellblade as a game that kind of depicts um these psychotic episodes uh, I would say is fairly accurate in terms of his narrative it's a bit video gamey yeah but as a whole I think generally yeah it is a good representation as to what life like that is like obviously you don't go around like swinging swords everywhere but <laughs> no. like, well, I mean if you are if you are then you know, that's you pretty bad psychosis seek, yeah yeah you need to seek some <laughs> Like medical help, but <laughs> generally speaking, yes, having these kind of voices that are constantly around you always. So, I mean, most people have like an inner voice, right? You have that kind of um, inner voice that kind of provides you with self doubt or self confidence, yeah. or whatever it is. Just a bad idea, um, and you still do it. Yeah, but you know that's inside your head. Yeah. So with uh, with psychosis, it's like external, like. For me, like there's literally like a woman outside my window screaming, and I'm like seven stories up, so it's impossible. I know it's impossible, but yeah, she's out tall there, woman, mm. and just constantly there. And then there's like a bunch of like people whispering in the corner of the room and stuff. But you kind of have to learn to just leave them be, and like sometimes you take on what they say, sometimes you don't, and it's it's just life, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And leaving them be, do they eventually, do they fade away after a while of ignoring them? Um, sometimes. Sometimes. When when things are okay. I have a theory that it's kind of all linked very much to like the cortisol levels in your bloodstream. Um, okay. In that, because like, so cortisol is what the, the, the stress hormone that runs through. You've got a lot of that, it produces more adrenaline and so on. Um, yeah. And obviously... The more cortisol you have in your uh, your bloodstream, the more kind of that stressed feeling that you get. It's kind of like the fight or flight response before, um, you know, but like without a need for fight or flight. Um, so that's why we have this immense feeling of stress. And when I'm stressed a lot, they get a lot louder and a lot more intense. And when I'm like chilled and I'm cool, I mean, for the most part, they're still there, but they're like negligible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And... There's a I mean, I'm not a scientist, so... Like, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. It's just, it's based on pure conjecture and personal experience. Mm-hmm. And th- there's one particular question I wanted to ask about um, the psychosis you described in your videos. Um, something I never heard before, actually, is you said that some voices... Um, I, you know, I don't want to quote you from a video for t- from too long ago, uh, but you said that some of the voices you heard have guided you to success. I was wondering what you meant by that and if you could expand on it a little bit, because I've never heard... Um, the idea of psychosis being the voices you hear being a positive thing. I've always heard it as being a negative thing. 
So, I mean, that's the thing, right? So, um, I think the easiest example I can use is that, like, when I'm waiting for the train to go to work, mm-hmm. there is always, like, voices saying to step forward, closer, take another step, take another step forward. It's okay. You'll make it. And so on, right? It's mm-hmm. it's hypnotic, right? And it's constantly pulling you in closer, right? You kind of just feel yourself moving towards it because, you know, you fall for it. But then you have the other ones that are just like, no, step back, step back, step back. It's like, you know, you don't want to do this. Um, so, yeah, and they're all external. Um, and, but, like, that's, like, the easiest example of where there are voices that are kind of, like, good for you. And then there are ones that are bad for you. Um, whatever the the chemicals in my brain are doing, there's obviously like two very different, you know, and to some extent there are multiple kind of avenues, if you will. And sometimes you, you know, in more complex kind of situations, like you, you'll have a voice tell you to do something and it might be a good thing. And when you're combined with say like, depression and suicidal thoughts right um it becomes very hard to trust or what do what are you supposed to trust right so for me like let's say if we cite the example from earlier like knowing what i wanted my interviewees to kind of like talk about in their interviews that was very much kind of guided by what i was being told to ask them by these voices like it's kind of like part of who i am and yeah so you know, one will literally say, like, ask them about this and ask them about that. Uh, don't forget about that, right? And yeah. to a certain extent, this it's a pretty good kind of advice to get, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're in a very kind of, like, low state and you're having things like suicidal thoughts and whatnot, you have one that's telling you to kind of just, like, do it, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have one that's telling you no. But when you're in that really low fucking state, you have no idea which one of these kind of avenues is the right one because you don't know what to trust. Because sometimes these voices are like, they're very helpful. Sometimes they're not. And it's a very confusing and very horrible part of living like this. Mm -hmm. And how complicated... uh how complicated are the responses that, and, uh, and this, the, the thoughts that you have from these hallucinations? For example, like, could you have one voice saying, it's probably a good idea to invest in an ETF fund once a month with 10% of your wages? Or is it, uh, you know, do they, are they rather basic in, uh, in, in their, their speaking? I mean, it's very kind of very basic. It's not, like, I've never had any, I mean, I've had ones that have been, like, telling me, like, do something like, like you should invest your money, like a very kind of simple sentence. Yeah. Like a very simple concept that can go on. And then like the conversation expands in very kind of small sentences. Right. And would you talk to them? Like it would it be a back and forth dialogue between you and the hallucination? Oh, no, 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 no. You start talking to them. That's when you're a crazy person. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh dear. And have do you ever develop trust in your hallucinations? I believe that was a phrase you had in your video. I was wondering if that's something that's that's happened to you. Have you developed trust in them? I did for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um but uh right now I kind of my focus is like trust my wife. 
And because okay. she's a pretty level-headed person, and if I am struggling with something, I kind of just ask her, and then she'll say, no, that's fucking stupid, don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I do appreciate you talking about that subject. Uh, I know it must be a very difficult thing to talk about, and you did say in your video uh, when you released it that um, it's not something that you openly talked about for a very long time, so I do appreciate you, you know, taking the time to go through that. I mean... First of all, you're welcome. <laughs> secondly, <laughs> it's more um, like there is the kind of inherent stigma, right? Um, because after telling someone or, you know, at this point, thousands of people um, this, where do you go from there, right? Like, it's very kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, now that someone knows this thing about you, how like they you know that they know and they know that you know that they know yes <laughs> yeah. do you bring it up or can you make a joke about it can you do, i mean i uh, you know i sometimes try to make jokes about it just to kind of ease it back into it then they get nervous about laughing about it and i'm just like all right let's not talk about this just leave it <laughs> yeah yeah know your audience i suppose um and after making that video have you found uh that your I don't want to say has your life improved but have you noticed a better quality of life knowing that you can talk, talk about this if you want to um so outside of like YouTube mm-hmm. I don't talk about it no every now and then my wife will ask me if I'm okay and you know if I'm struggling with something I'll talk to her about it but I just yeah the, the regular people in normal life they are not prepared to have that kind of conversation. And the thing that, that separates YouTube life, if you will, the online life and the life that you have in the real world is that they are two very different things. On YouTube, people are actively looking to learn and, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? You know, absorb information and whatnot. And if they learn something about someone, they did it on their own accord and they're like, ah, okay, I've learned about it and I want to learn more about it. And, you know, I understand it. And for the most part, people are very empathetic and understanding towards it. However, in real life, you know, there is a much broader scope of people. And those people are like your friends and your family and whatnot. And it's just not something that they really need to know. Or It's not that people don't care or want to help. It's more they have other things to be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's their priority. Yeah. So... I mean, online, yeah. I mean, for the most part, my life has improved a lot since that video. Yeah. Like, I met my wife. Um, like, my career has, like, moved upwards um, pretty well. Um, I moved into a pretty dope apartment and, you know, central London. And, you know, I would yeah. say that my life is pretty good. Like, life is dope. My life kind is of dope. next step. Life is dope. Life is great. Um my kind of next kind of goal or steps in life is to um, kind of turn the whole YouTube content creation thing into a full-time kind of gig. But that's a, a very, very difficult task. Yes. It um, takes a lot of work. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and even with your, I imagine your career right now, you said you made some pretty good advancements, even with that and being a professional video editor and uh, director and such, you'd still want to go YouTube full-time rather than pursuing your career as it is now. 
So here's the thing. In, in the real world, I am a brown guy. Okay. On the internet, no one knows that I'm brown. <laughs> okay. So there, there is an inherent level of racism that mm-hmm. exists in all of the industries, especially in the filmmaking world, right? Yeah. Unless you, especially in England, right? Like in, say, uh, North America, it is, there are more opportunities for someone that looks like me because there is a thriving independent scene. And that independent scene has a lot of kind of support. And especially with uh, the cultural climate right now, there is a lot of kind of push upwards for people, you know, um, minority ethnics, if you will, to kind of like speak up, um, which is a very good thing. Um, yeah. Here in the United Kingdom, not so much. It is all very systematic. And when I say systematic, I mean that like, unless you are following the rules and, you know, um, can I swear? Oh, fuck it. Yeah, go for it. Awesome. Because I, I know in some video you said that your dad listens and, you know, he doesn't oh, he appreciate gets... you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he gets bored after five minutes because he doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. So uh, okay, uh, after that, he just quits and then he watches the snooker and falls asleep. So <laughs> he wouldn't have made it this far. Don't worry. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in the United Kingdom, especially like in the, the media entertainment and um, technology world, unless you are absolutely like sucking one dick after the other in specific orders, you are not going to get anywhere unless you're going through like absolute brute force. And that is, the brute force is a very kind of rare and very expensive thing to do. And that obviously requires a lot of like inherent like finances and privilege to get there. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm not a brute force kind of person. I'm a, I will try and do something great. And if I, you know, make it, then that's great. But I'm not going to, but on the other hand, I'm not going to fucking like, like appease some fucking guy in a very corporate position in order to better myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not for me. And you feel that uh, in the industry you're working in, there's been many opportunities that you have not been able to take uh, because of your ethnic background and the color of your skin. I mean, so I started off wanting to become an actor, right? And yeah. I'll tell you now, right? You, the, there's only one brown slot uh, every decade, <laughs> and <laughs> the other, and that that's for like a decent kind of like acting role, and then. Um, the uh, the other kind of like substitute roles are you get to either be the the goofy doctor with the Indian accent, or you get to be a terrorist. <laughs> and I did, at the age of thirteen, right after like living through nine eleven and going to an all white school, I was like, you know what, fuck acting, <laughs> yeah. fuck acting. You know what, no one's going to put me in their film. I'm just going to make my own. And that's where getting into the Sims two goes. This is doing some great kind of like. Referring back to earlier parts of the conversation. That's awesome. So you didn't feel like, uh, you know, casting for three lions or something like that wasn't, didn't tickle your fancy? Oh, you know what's funny? It's like, so, um, so Riz Ahmed, star of Four Lions, um, and the, the evil bad boy in uh, Venom, he um, was an MC before, so he was a rapper. And one of my best friends, is also a rapper and he's doing fairly well actually. Yeah. He and Riz were in a rap battle decades ago, right? Years and years <laughs> ago. And my mate 
lost that rap battle to Riz. And Riz is oh, where he is right now. Where Riz is, is kind of like, that's as high as any like brown man has ever been before, right? Yeah. It's it's like, we've had conversations like, if he won that battle, would life have changed? Would his life be any different? Well, that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I imagine what his life would have been like if he won that. Yeah, I know, right? It's, that's like one of those kind of like moments where if you could go back in time, would you? That's one thing I would like to see changed, like just to see it. Yeah, <laughs> not uh, not kill Hitler, any of that stuff. Go go back to the rap battle and uh, <laughs> and win it. <laughs> so, uh, killing Hitler is that's just a. That... He already killed himself. And are you going to go kill a baby? <laughs> like, I've never thought about a, it like that. A, that's such a like. It's like the it's like the Thanos question, right? You're gonna kill a baby? No, you you can't like punish someone for having not committed a crime. Yeah, you, at what at what do, point would you kill Hitler? I don't know. See, that's not for me to d- decide, right? Like, we know that what he did, and we know that. You know, there are some circumstances in his life that led him to this, but I don't think I'm an authority enough to say at what point should someone go back in time and put a bullet in Hitler's head. That's not for that. I don't have that kind of like thing because to kill like someone before they commit the crime, hmm. that's 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 immoral. I would say. Yeah, it's like what was that film they did about that? Um, oh. God, there was a film about that where they they have thought police and they arrest people. Uh, Minority Report. That's the one, there we go. Tom Cruise, amazing. Directed by Steven Spielberg. So good. Yeah, we're turning into Minority Report. Amazing film. Based on the the short story by Philip K. Dick. Oh, I have uh, have not read that story. I had to give it a read. Sounds pretty good. Great. Well, I do love discussing Hitler. Um, I do have another question for you uh, pertaining to your videos. Um, in one of your videos, uh, you said, uh, talking about uh, having free time and playing games in your free time, uh, you mentioned you have paid $100 for a game and played it for five hours uh, and had the time of your life. I was curious as to what game that was. I can't even remember now. My, my guess is probably like a, an MMO with uh, all the trimmings. Uh, no. But, uh, no? Now I remember. Um the division or some Ubisoft game. Oh, so you like bought the digital deluxe uh, limited yes. edition something something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The gold edition with all the extra bullshit that they throw in. Right. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? Ubisoft gets all the crap in the world and justifiably so, right? With microtransactions and just like Oh yeah, yeah. Terrible work practices for like the for, you know, marginalized people, but they do something really fucking great. They 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 have these simple like technologies within all of their games that they iterate on, and they build upon those. They end up becoming like very kind of tropey stuff, and but they do them incredibly. So, mm. Assassin's Creed. I was drawn to Assassin's Creed because hey, holy shit, that's the first time a brown man's going to be the lead of a game at the well, yeah. I guess Prince of Persia was for first but Assassin's Creed and it's going to be in a place that isn't 
that's one a real place. So uh, Damascus and um, Masayef and you know uh, Jerusalem that wasn't yeah. you know you know treated like uh, some back bomb site. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so so it's going to be treated with a certain level of respect, right? So that was cool. And I was like, damn, I'm in. But then they did. They basically invented the the Ubisoft Tower, right? So you climb up the tower, you see the area, and it opens up the map. At that time, that was genius because if you are hiking or if you are going anywhere or if you're lost, find the highest point and you will be able to orient yourself. Mm -hmm. And as someone who you know liked hiking and walking around and who had like done this kind of stuff, whenever I was lost, you just find the highest point and look around, and that is literally what that was. And then they iterated upon that and they improved. And then in like 2013, 14, 15, that kind of period of time, they kind of really, really like nailed cooperative gameplay. Oh, yeah. I can't, and I think it was with Assassin's Creed Unity, but obviously they fucked that game up at the time. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but then um, it was uh, like The Division or some other kind of games, and their kind of cooperative gameplay was just amazing. You connect up with a friend, you and your friend can fucking go around and have this kind of up to four people doing stuff on this massive world. And you can be in different parts of the world and still be cooperatively playing. It mm. was incredible. And that, that kind of, that I love that shit. That is the kind of game that I want. I love cooperative gameplay. Right now, I can't do that anymore because like, I got this, you know. My wife is my priority. I've got to spend time with her. So I can't <laughs> yeah. be sitting around playing, you know, like the division for like two, three hours every evening. Um, yeah. My next question uh, for yourself is, would you be able to run us through your kind of creative process? So let's say you get the idea to make a video. How do you go from idea to final product? What do you kind of do in between? So generally, so I have a kind of dedicated... Uh, workflow, which is you have the idea, you write out the script, and the, writing the script is the hardest part. Well, I mean, for the most part, most of the time it is. Um, and you essentially go, you research on the topic, try and see what everyone else has said about it. So, say you pick a topic on a particular game, you see what everyone else has ever said up, you know, about the game and you read reviews, you read articles, you, if you can find, you know, um, scholarly papers, that's even better. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like the perfect scenario, right? Um, and then you kind of incorporate that into your script. And when the script is done, um, there, there is a second part of that, which is like, you sit on it for like two or three days without you know, doing anything to it. Then you come back and reread it and rewrite it out. Um, and then once that's like, completely done the next thing is to kind of just sit there and read through the entire thing out loud and time uh, so you can see how long it's going to take you to actually what the length of the video is actually going to be yeah um and then you uh, then you're like okay cool and then you record it out i don't have like the best mic setup um so i have like a blue yeti and um it's plugged in by usb and i don't have like any soundproofing or anything in this room so I kind of just try and get the environment as best as I can, and then I record. Yeah. Um, and I spend a bit of time trying to make sure it's clean and listenable. I have the disadvantage of having one of those voices where um, it's very deep, 
and a lot of the frequencies are very, very low. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of sub bass and I don't have a lot of um, high frequencies in my voice. So it's very hard to kind of like mix for, uh, so like when you're mixing audio or like cleaning up of like voiceovers and stuff, they have a lot of presets. And for the most part, like if I applied any of those presets to like 90% of other people's voices, it would work perfectly. Yeah. Um, so like when I get my wife to record voiceovers for me, or if I'd like take someone else's audio recordings, I can apply a preset and it cleans them up perfectly. And it's all perfect. It's great. Fantastic. For yeah. me, I don't reach into those. I just kind of sound really cool and muffled. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Um, so I have to, there's a, there's a lot of work that goes into making me listenable. And I think that was quite noticeable with um, the Final Fantasy video that I did, uh, which we can talk about a bit later. But So once the audio is done, I will then take that into Premiere. I will lay out all the audio in one big long file. And then I'll chop out all the bad takes and then I will chop out all the space and I'll chop out all the breaths yeah. and cut it down as much as possible. Um, and then I will take each chapter because I write in chapters. So like chapter one is this, then it will lead on to chapter two, which will be about X and then Y and then Z. I will separate all the audio into separate sequences and edit one sequence at a time. I generally start with the sequence that requires the least amount of motion graphics or editing. So generally that's like the game, the chapter where I'm talking specifically about the game or the gameplay and nothing else Yeah. where I can literally just take gameplay, edit it in, make it look all, you know, like tidy, fit it into the beats and that's those kind of sections done. So prime example is the final fantasy video with, remake you get the footage from remake you drop it in wherever you want when you're talking about final fantasy 7 in that chapter just drop in the footage as it's placed and then you go into the more difficult section so say bits which require a lot of like animation or uh, visual representations of like you know concepts or ideas so then you start kind of um planning that out um i don't generally use storyboards because i kind of have it in my head what i want and i don't need anyone else to work on it um, on occasion, I will uh, put it down in storyboards just for myself, but mm-hmm. most of the time I don't. Um, um, and say like the sequence where I'm talking about how neurons work within the brain, yeah. I will, you know, animate. First I'll model a neuron, then I will build out <laughs> the scene in After Effects, and then I'll animate the scene, and then um, export that out, dump it in where I need it, and then work on the next kind of shot, if you will, mm-hmm. and just chug along i guess Mm -hmm. and do you ever work on multiple projects at the same time or are you 100 percent focused on one thing and that's the way you do it my general rule is you will only succeed at what you put your focus on Mm -hmm. so um and you can apply that to anything in life right if you literally anything pick any thing that you want to do in life if you focus on it you will succeed at it but it requires all of your focus. So mm-hmm. if you decide that you need a new job and if you're only half looking for a job, like you send a few applications here and there, you're not going to get anywhere. No. Right? It's going to be a pain. However, if you take the month it, or two months it takes to do all the interviews and focus on you know, reaching out to recruiters or to 
um, you know, applying to these jobs and making it your priority, your focus, that is what you succeed at. And I get, you can apply that same logic to anything, like say fitness, for example, um, at the, like after the Hellblade video, I went on like a fitness, like, I don't know what the word is, like extreme hype kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I lost a lot of weight in a lot of time, in a very short time. Um, that's because like my focus was just to lose weight and I worked out three times a day every day without fail oh, God. I, like, I was burning like 7,000 calories a day it was disgusting I mean by the end of it I came out pretty much anorexic at that point but the goal was to lose weight and if you focus at it you will do it so and uh, when you apply that logic to things of a less of extreme nature uh, so say like making a video if you focus on making one video to be as best as it can, you'll make a great video. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I am currently in the process of making the mistake of not focusing on that. So I'm currently working on two videos. One is a like 40 minute epic on Bloodborne. Okay, oh nice. Uh, and the other is a much shorter video, which is about six and a half minutes. And that is about visual perception. Um, the Bloodborne video is kind of crushing me at the moment in that it's, very intense it's very deep um because there's no like photo mode in bloodborne i can't exactly do any kind of like cool scenery and stuff like scenic shots or whatever to use for graphics um so i have resorted to rebuilding out the levels um and environments of the game in unreal engine Um, jesus yeah i mean fuck it just rebuild the game yeah yeah, just, just, <laughs> yes. just why, the, why the fuck not? I mean, God, yeah, I'm, alre- I'm, al- I'm already like making my own music for the game uh, for these videos, so I may as well just fucking rebuild the game for you, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah right. Good. <laughs> 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 I'll just rebuild the game. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, yeah, just make the game from scratch, whatever. And, and yeah, so uh, that's so, so the Bloodborne video is crushing me at the moment, and I asked my patrons. Um, if it, I should carry on like focusing on that because creatively it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, I'm going to, I know I'm going to be very happy with it when it's finished. It's going to be, it's also a really heavy topic as well. So it's about uh, bloodborne and femininity and how bloodborne is. Okay. That. Yeah. It's a, like, dude, this, this is a, this is a, this is a hardcore topic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do not know how it's going to be taken because it is one of those things that I feel like no one hasn't talked about yet. Yeah, it's not um, what crosses my mind when I think about Bloodborne, I'm, I'm not going to lie. So I'm interested to where yeah. you'll take that. I know. Um, and, I mean, part, part of the reason is because, like, Bloodborne is clickbait. You put Bloodborne in your video. Oh, God, so yeah. Lap it straight up. up clickbait. Exactly. Um, Ghost of Shun, Shusim or whatever it's called. Put that in there right now. No, not even that. Like, Ghost of Tsushima is, like, that is a current hype train game. All right, it's it's cool. It's really interesting. It's visually amazing. It's a samurai game, but it's a it's a flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. Right? Same with Last of Us Part Two. That is a flavor. Like no one's talking about Last of Us Part Two like currently. They're talking about. Oh Christ no, that's Tsushima. died down this, now. Yeah, exactly. It's a flavor of the month thing. Whereas like Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Sekiro to a certain extent, but not as high as as much. Metal like, Gear. Metal Gear. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a clickbait. Like you make anything about Metal Gear, people love that. Yeah, lap it like, up. They're the, like 
there is such an abundance of content about Bloodborne, Dark Souls. I'm pretty sure everyone and their mother has made a video about like Dark Souls and depression. <laughs> yes. Like, holy God. <laughs> like we get it. Oh my God. It, you conquered your depression with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there anything else about this game that you could talk about? Well, <laughs> well feminism, apparently. Oh, Bloodborne. Oh, mate. It, it, you know what? I'm just going to send you the script. I just want you to <laughs> see it for yourself. Because like, it's going to take a while for me to make. Um, but yeah, so that one's that's a struggle at the moment. I'm taking a break from that to work on something smaller. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And um, l- looking at your videos that you have on your channel now, uh, the last one you released was about three weeks or so ago. Uh, you were sharing nostalgia with Final Fantasy. And then before that, it was two years ago with Hellblade. Um, that's yeah. quite a, a big gap in between those two videos. Uh, was there a reason for that extended break? Um, real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously YouTube isn't like my job. It's yeah. not a full-time thing. I would like it to be, but it's not. Um, so when I started, I made a video about some game that I played, which was cerebrally, cerebrally cool, but like, like delivered in a poor way. So 1979 Revolution Black Friday. Yeah. Um, and no one was talking about it. So I thought I might as well say something. And then I naturally progressed into talking about like relaxing games because that's the kind of games that I wanted to play. So I talked about that. And then I progressed into walking simulators and kind of talking about how they're made and why they're made and and kind of leaned into that. And then a lot of those games kind of talked about like depression, right? And that's when I did depression and video games. And that was kind of like the big hit yeah um, yeah it's when it started to take off would you say yeah um and then i made the metal gear one because i thought i don't want to make another big video i just wanted to make something that i wanted to make about something that i liked mm-hmm. because if i'm honest a lot of the videos that i make are about games i don't like yeah <laughs> but with yeah. a positive spin <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. i don't like 1979 revolution <laughs> black friday it's an awful title it's a terrible game it's like a really bad telltale ripoff yeah. But it tells, but the premise of telling something, telling a story from a time period and a place that no one else is doing, like we have plenty of Viking games. We have plenty of like American war games. We have a oh, lot yeah. of, you know, uh, the, the samurai inspired games. Like we have, there is, there is plenty of those, but there is so much in this world and so many stories and so many aesthetics and so many you know environments that we can explore that aren't in mainstream games and it's the indie space that's doing it Mm. like let's see some more of this world you know um so that so yeah i hate that game um (laughs) the relaxing games is probably the only one that i do kind of enjoy but it mostly is to talk about it's a bitch about how the the relaxing game tag on Steam was wrong because they put like Dear Rester in it. I was like, no, Dear Esther is not relaxing. You have to think <laughs> about that game. <laughs> yes. That's not that's not relaxation. And then I did walking simulators and I don't like Firewatch. I don't like Dear Esther. I don't like Gone Home. And for what they do is very important for the cultural uh, blah 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 of video games. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very important. Yes, yes, yes. I accept that they exist. And, you know, is that the next video the third one? <laughs> 
Um, and then like depression and video games that was I was talking about Night in the Woods which again very important game but I really hate that game yes Um, and I hate May as a character and she was annoying here's the thing right I know a lot of people who relate to May and when I gave my first initial opinion about like you know May I was just like listen if I knew who May was in real life as in, like, as a person, I would like cross the street in the other direction. That's <laughs> yeah. Just, a, just, a, just a person yeah. I just don't like. The only person that I kind of relate to in that game is B. You know, the the alligator-looking girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the badass. Yeah, one. yeah. Like I relate to her struggle, right? And I guess that was kind of cool for me. But like, and I get that other people re- relate to May, but and I get that people get upset when I say that I May is just someone I detest as a human being. Yes, um, just too on the nose, I think. Just way too uh, out there, edgy. Uh, just really annoying. Like, I wouldn't want to speak to that yeah. person either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess that's the point, right? That's the point of the game. Um, and I also don't like the ending. That, that was just like, they had so much going in the right direction and then they fucked it up with this whole like, oh, there's some eldritch monsters. Like, what? Yeah, some weird it's, cult it, it's, underground. It's like, yeah. it's, like, it's like the whole fucking... Hellblade thing again. It's like, what is it with games about like mental health where they end up fucking blaming it on some some dumb thing? That no, that is not yeah. the message you're supposed to be saying. Like, yes, there's, this entire town is depressed and lost and whatnot, but don't. Uh, we're talking about night in the woods. Here. Like, how is it the fault of this eldritch monster that lives below the fucking town? No, it's because fucking there's these other. Oh my god, never mind. I know. Yeah, it lost its potential a lot in that regard. Uh, they could yeah. have told like a, a genuinely good story about finding yourself and growing up in a small town and making wrong decisions in some sense. But nope, it's a video game, so they had to had to change the ending, didn't they? Yeah. God. And then Metal Gear Solid is, you know, I guess I, you know, I like that game, so fine. Oh, I um, love Metal Gear Solid. I, I've um, speaking of the art of Metal Gear Solid back home in the UK, I, I have a book about the art of Metal Gear Solid. Um, that was the inspiration for the, the video. Oh you, got, oh, you got it as well? Okay, we probably got the same book, I imagine. Um, yeah. yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, yeah. And one of my, well, my tattoo, partially inspired by Metal Gear Solid as well. Um, nice. Which is not the same art style, but it's uh, it's uh, D-Dog playing a video game with a Grim Reaper. <laughs> so, oh, dope, dope. Uh, it's a bit silly, but I like it. Um, so actually, the 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 current video that I'm working on, the the visual perception one, it's very much, I guess, it's very much inspired by Metal Gear Solid Three, but that's mm. a you need to, it's a you need to watch it to experience it kind of thing. Yeah, so we're, 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 definitely going to. Hopefully, that'll be done pretty soon. I'm currently in the process of um, writing the music for it. Wow. So you make the the music? Is that like all computerized, or is it uh, you know recording actual instruments that you're playing? Or how, what's your process of making that music? It's all digital. Uh, so I I decided with the Final Fantasy video that I wanted to make remixes of the original soundtrack because the original soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like it's iconic, right? And even just playing like some of those songs, you can really grab someone with some nostalgia. You can really and I guess that was the point with the video, right? Um, yes. But I did, I, <laughs> yeah. And I noticed that a lot of YouTubers use the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack in their videos. Like, if you watch a lot of Nakey Jakey videos, you will, like, 
it's just there, there's all there, there is always like some Final Fantasy seven song in, in yeah, one yeah. of any video in the background, um, which is cool. But I don't want to do that. Um, so I thought there has been this huge kind of like community of people who like made remixes of Final Fantasy seven music, and I thought, fuck it, I'm just gonna make an entire album of music. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's what I did, uh, and it's all like done in like. In, on the computer like I have a like a MIDI keyboard it's like a small MIDI keyboard that I use to play out um, melodies if need be and whatever um, it's a it's not a I mean each song has its own process depending on what kind of thing that you're going for um, and the mistake that I made with the Final Fantasy video was that I didn't mix the audio which again like I said we're going to lean, return back to this topic somehow you're great at this chat shit um <laughs> Um, so yeah the I fucked up with that video in that like I mixed it wrong and that was because I mixed it the way that you would mix it the audio through that is the voiceover and the music combined if my voice was normal and because I can hear my mm. voice when I'm playing it through I know what it sounds like um, but I did not account for the fact that other people can't hear me yeah so I drowned out my you know, my own voice, then that was a massive mistake on my part. Those lower um, frequencies getting drowned out by the music. Drowned out by the, the, the kick drums, the, the sub bass, the, the, the leads and whatnot. And like, so generally speaking, especially when you're producing music, right? Most um, singers and musicians sing very kind of high. So they'll be like, ah, yep. in that kind of range. And then like the music and instrumentation around it will be in, so like, the sub bass and the drums will be in a lower frequency and then like the, yeah. the higher kind of notes and the things will be in the mid and the top, but there'll always be space at the top. And that's how, you, that's generally how you produce music. Yeah. So if, if I were to become a professional singer and someone were to produce music for me, they would have to kind of reverse that. And it would sound more kind of like Depeche mode, I guess, because like um, they, he has a very kind of low voice as well, mm-hmm. but it's not a very common way to sing. Um, and I tend to, when I'm editing, um, videos to music or or producing the music and the video as well, um, I tend to kind of do both at the same time. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure like you may have interviewed a bunch of people before. And so like, they'll either like edit their whole video and then they'll dump music below it just to kind of get the mood right. Or they will put the music down first, put their voice over to kind of match and get their tone or whichever mm. kind of like mood that they go for. It depends on how they value and interpret their music and their videos. Um, yeah, for me, obviously. Sorry, yeah. So there's, there's lots of different ways. Like uh, a lot, most people I've spoken to do it your way where, you know, it's kind of get the script, edit it, read it through, make adjustments, record the voice. Um, I know Mandalore Gaming just ad-libs it. He, just, <laughs> he doesn't have a script. He just goes for it and it somehow okay. works. Uh, okay. which I, I don't know how he does that. He just sits there and uh, does it. He sent me a picture of his, his room, his recording studio, and he's just stapled foam to the wall behind his computer to stop echoing. <laughs> it's very, uh, that is literally how I did it back in like, yeah. uh, my parents' house. <laughs> when I was there. Oh, God. Um, and uh, I believe uh, I, I spoke uh, to... Um, GameScore Fanfare on Tuesday. Actually, that's the video I that's coming out. Matt. Yeah. Oh my god, great guy, super. I awesome love guy. that guy. 
He's amazing. very nice. The video's out tomorrow, actually, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, nice. I mean, I don't know why you're promoting it here in a video that's coming off. Yeah, uh, it was out last week. <laughs> 6 p.m. There you go. Go find it on the channel. Um, and his stuff revolves around music all the time. So, you know, he's probably yep. uh, focusing on the music more. What actually surprised me very much so is I had all these questions written out for this guy. And uh, my first question was like, okay, you're doing game score fanfare. Um, what what's your experience with music? Are you a professional musician? And he goes, no, no, I played the trombone for a bit in secondary school. But uh, besides that, no. <laughs> I asked him the same thing. Oh my God. He, yeah, he, he's, he doesn't know a thing. Like he knows some basics. <laughs> he knows what C, D, E, F, G, A, B is. Yeah, like, face spells the gaps in the... <laughs> exactly. And I was just like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I thought he was like some music theory nerd. <laughs> but he... he 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 plays it off real nice. Like he, when you talk to him, he's the nicest guy on earth. Oh really, god, yeah. The guy, the guy's a psychopath. <laughs> he fucking he hoodwinked us all. Like he knew. All of them. And yeah. The ultimate ruse. You know what the worst thing is? Oh my god! So throughout the entire soundtrack for the sharing nostalgia video, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> um, I I needed something to kind of like hit the nostalgia for anyone who was actually listening to the music. Yeah, and I watched one of his, um, Matt's videos, Game Score Fanfare. Uh, I watched one of his videos and about Final Fantasy, and it, and he talks about how the prelude sound, and then when you use the prelude sound, and then it leans into something else or some other thing, and every yeah. one of the Final Fantasy games has that. And purely based on that video, I included the prelude sound and incorporated it in all of my compositions and rearrangements of the music. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all the way through it. And then I talk to him and he's just like, yeah, he has no like music theory background. He's not a musician. I'm just like, are you, I trusted you. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh God, you influenced the whole video. <laughs> I know. What a guy. My entire process. Yeah. Oh God. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I find it very interesting how you've come across these problems and how you're solving them. Uh, like the music, you're like, no, oh, I just make my own music or oh, I just rebuild Bloodborne and Unreal Engine. It's incredible how many different pies you got your fingers in <laughs> when you're making your it's videos. More, it's more about like, we, we're in the most democratic age of technology ever, right? Yeah. If you want to make a game, you can make a game. Everything that you need is there, right? Like the Unreal Engine is free to use download it you install it everything that you if you want to learn it there are thousands and thousands of videos on youtube to learn mm. how to make games there and all you have to do is just kind of again focus and put your time and attention towards it and you can learn the things that you want to learn like learning how to either script in c++ which i would not recommend ever um no god or no. Use, if or, then or else the, yeah Exactly. Or use the um, the blueprint engine, which is amazing. If you want to learn to like three D model, Blender is free. Every like, and even the stuff that isn't free, it's not inaccessible. And it's the same with like video editing, right? There is so much software, so many tutorials, so many things that you can use and do to create whatever it is you want to make. I mean, I I purely make video game videos on the fact that. I have all these video games. I can record these video games and I have a microphone. I can talk about these video games and make a video. There is, I don't need a person to like 
no. talk to a camera for me. I don't need a camera. I don't need anything else but a literally a 100 centimeter desk and the peripherals on top of it to create a career essentially and it is all there so and it's the same with music it's the same with art it's the same with literally so many things and yeah and like there are there are always going to be things that are blocking you from achieving whatever goal that is that you want to do but you can absorb those skills you can learn them and Mm. everything is about learning right so you just if you i mean i guess it's down to how much you want to learn like i want to make a game at some point right i would love to it's going to take a lot of time and effort but like i guess based on um what i learn in unreal engine while i'm rebuilding bloodborne from scratch dear lord um (laughs) when i do that i will have i will have mass plenty of knowledge that will help me to go through this process Oh, God, Maybe yeah. I'll find someone who knows a bit more than I do and then you can collaborate and then move forward like that. Yeah, yeah. so it's all about doing and, and getting stuck in. Like when I try to do some minor video editing, the first thing I do is, okay, YouTube, how to blank in After Effects and then I find it. Well, no, I don't find it. I get the thing wrong because I don't know how to word it properly. Then I find it and then I find out there's an error for some reason. I try and find out what the error is. <laughs> but eventually the end point is actually sitting down and doing it. You will get to your goal. Um, but it's that sitting down and doing it, which is the the thing that stops like ninety five percent of people. I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just down to the individual. Really. If you want to do something, you will. Yeah, for me as well, I find that I get very distracted uh, quite easily, and maybe most people get distracted as well. I'm considering even just downgrading to like a flip phone to stop using my phone for pointless crap like Reddit and I don't know chatting with friends and stuff, and just get rid of the damn thing like uh, similar to you i went on a bit of a fitness binge for a while uh for about one year i was super hardcore into to losing weight um and for me it's if the distractions and the things i shouldn't be doing aren't there then i can't do it like a lot of people try to lose weight and um they get to the point where they say okay i should eat healthy but you got to kind of take it back a step and say I shouldn't buy unhealthy things, and that makes it so much oh, yeah, easier because you can't eat junk food if you don't if you don't buy it. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Precisely. That, I mean, that's the you have to find the things that are actually causing the problems. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'm yet to downgrade. To be honest, uh, I'm still on my my Samsung, but maybe I'll get a little uh, Nokia flip phone. Who knows? We will see. I mean, you walk around with one of those, people are going to think you're a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, or a smuggler. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> uh, looking <Yep>. at <laughs> uh, looking back at the videos you've made over the past three years, uh, is there one that you're most proud of? Uh, and with that said, is there one that you wished did better than it actually did? Um, my favorite video is the Art of Metal Gear Solid, purely because that is a visual treat. Mm. It's the most kind of like Captain Christian esque video. Uh, Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So like Captain Christian is very kind of stylish and he, the, I assume that his pronouns are his, he, um, their um, videos are very much like, a, it appears to be a single take, right? It's like a very mm-hmm. smooth, free flowing kind of thing. And it kind of leads you in this direction, which is what I wanted all of my videos to be, but they're not going to be like that just based on how I write. And it's, you know, it's fine um but that's the one that kind of goes with that 
single clean flowing thing and it's not broken down into chapters and it's not yeah it just goes from one thing to one it's like water i guess mm, um, mm-hmm. kind in fact it, to be honest it's more kind of like the style of yoji shinko which is it kind of just free flows and it becomes the final piece which i guess is what i was trying to emulate there with through the video so that's the one i'm most kind of proud of um but then i am also very proud of the final fantasy one purely because as a technical feat it's the longest video i've done it's got the most and like it's got interviews with what like six seven people yeah a whole or, bunch yeah yeah a whole bunch of people with different voices and balancing them out and plus i did the music for it um and probably the first time i played a 50 hour game and then my wife played the the original which is again another 50 hour game for this video so that was that and so that one yeah i wish that did a lot better yeah i mean um, it's still but, early days compared to the other ones they're years old um oh yeah, yeah. but yeah. i mean so like the the other videos they kind of they had like huge uh, like first day is always like big numbers and then they kind of like tail off but they always maintain a steady kind of thing because the seo for these videos are really kind of like well done yeah and so they kind of maintain a level of viewership but the final fantasy one was more of a oh my god sits back and then just dropped off um and that's not like anyone's fault but my own for one fucking up the video the first time and then re-uploading it but also because um i had just been gone for so long Mm-hmm. and so what happened that, with that first upload because i i only saw the re-upload i i missed the the original no, you, you saw the good one then. Uh, basically, I think the audio was mixed badly, like I said earlier. Oh, okay, it was the audio, okay. Yeah, the audio was mixed poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, that. Um, I mean, the depression one is probably... I mean, I'd, I'd say I'm proud of the depression one. In that, like, it helped a lot of people. I mean, so they say. Um, it helped quite a lot of people and it followed the kind of ethos that I wanted for my videos in that like I needed to be informative and at the same time kind of like respect the audience mm-hmm. so instead of kind of, and looking at things from multiple viewpoints and I think that's kind of something that I'd like to um, do in what I work on because I don't like everything is subjective right there's no such thing as an objective of review or opinion or something yeah, right? yeah. it's there are some facts like this is a game and that is about as far as you can really go with it right as far yeah. as objective yes. um, but if you're going to do something subjective make the subjective opinions valuable by looking at it from other opinions right yeah and incorporating that somehow and that's kind of what I wanted to do with that and yeah it worked out and with those videos uh, for the depression and the hellblade um uh, living with psychosis videos you made uh, at the end you you do say if you need someone to speak to get in contact with me did you find that many people were reaching out to you uh, for assistance with some struggles that they were having oh brother there is a reason as to why i did not make a video for a long time that's because i was <laughs> <laughs> so i would get so you know on discord um mm-hmm. it tells you how many notifications you have yeah. So pretty much every day I would have about it's about two hundred you know like new chats. Oh jeez. 
so they would come to the Discord server and they would message me and I would respond to every single one of these every single day, hours on end. And then they would turn into phone calls and like some people were going through some really dark times, like mm-hmm. awful, awful periods of the time. I mean, like there have been more than one occasion where I've had to talk someone down off a ledge. Oh God. Yeah. So, I mean, I did like, there are a lot of people suffering. There's a lot of people dealing with stuff. And I think, I mean, I think one of the gripes that I have with content creators in general, not like specifically, but in general is that yeah. like, obviously the topic of mental health is a very important one. It's also a very kind of easy to clickbait one, right? Like you yeah. put depression or mental health or mindfulness in your uh, title or thumbnail and you'll get hits. Like people yeah. are searching for answers and they are struggling, but then, and you can, and sharing your personal stories, is a good thing. It helps normalize the struggles that everyone is feeling on a daily basis and making, helping people realize that they are not alone. That is one of the key things. But then when you throw in, like, if you are struggling, call this number in this country and this number in that country, or, or, or if you're going to be real cheap about it, just like the numbers for your local suicide hotline are in the you know, comment description box. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First of all, no one's going to go there to fucking look for a number if they're feeling suicidal after watching your video. If they're feeling suicidal after your video, you've got a problem with your video. Yes, God, yeah. Right? That's, that's the first problem that you're dealing with. Second one. <laughs> <God>. Criteria. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's, that's the first problem. Yeah. Um, but if they're... Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. So like, no one, everyone knows that these numbers exist, right? Especially mm-hmm. if you're suicidal. You know it. Everyone's been telling you this. And for the most part, you have trying to be reaching out, but no one's giving you the, the time or attention or care. And having, like, I have tried to call these numbers before in my own periods of time. And, like, I've called and sometimes there's just no answer because these services are inundated. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing that I wanted to kind of embody is that, like, there are human beings out there. There are, like friends and family and well maybe not so much family but like just friends and people and sometimes strangers who care like having these these horrible thoughts these feelings sucks and then if you are feeling that for one I don't want you to feel like that and if you have found any kind of like trust in me after watching this 25 minute video describing the struggles that myself, other people that I know and like statistics say, and you find some kind of kinship through this, I will do my best in to talk to you. I can't, I'm not like, you know, the best qualified person for this. I am like, I guess I am a qualified like counselor, uh, but at the same time, like I'm doing this for free. Like I have, I have to like make a living and whatnot. And whatever time I had when I was doing that, I would give just so I can, you know, help as much as possible. And a lot of pe- the people who came to me knew that I was being inundated, but at the same time, they just needed someone to listen. Someone just to just care somebody. for a few. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, the different, like, one example, there was this um, girl, she was about like 15, 16 or something. And yep. she was also suffering from psychosis and she reached out and calmed her down, eased her out of it and whatnot. And then one day out of the blue, she fucking uh, 
messages and says, hi, I'm coming over to England. Can we meet? And I was like, no, fuck off. <laughs> um, that ain't happening. You can bring your, if you bring your parents, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and she says, yeah, my parents are coming. So I was like, all right, fine. Like, so long as your parents are there. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. we, so I met her parents and um, her parents, like, they met me and then they fucking burst into tears and her mother, like, it's like kissing my hand and shit. Oh, God. And just like thanking me for like, you know, helping the, their daughter and stuff. And that was the weirdest fucking experience. That's but insane. That's the thing. They're, these these are real people and real people like suffer and they, they just need someone to like give a shit and understand just for a little bit of time. And you can give someone like an hour of your time just to like, care not to judge just not to even give them a solution or an answer you just they just want to like know that they exist mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to they just want to know that their existence matters even for an hour to someone that's makes so much of a difference dude mm-hmm. God, that's and, I, know, I know i needed that yeah and you know that came from your wife uh from you know what we can tell her. No, I get that all now. Like the, the that woman loves the shit out of me. Yeah, I love the shit out of that her. She's fucking great. <laughs> Give me the thumbs up as we speak. <laughs> oh no, she did. She, she wants to go to bed. She's tired. Oh dear. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Well, uh, I won't keep you much longer then. Um, uh, to, to to finish off then, uh, there's kind of one thing I just wanted to ask. Uh, on your Twitter, you posted recently that you've gone quite a while without uh, smoking. Uh, how has that been for you, quitting smoking? I I hate not smoking. <laughs> there, there, there's a secret to this voice, and that is from... I mean, not that I you know, promote such an idea, but that is how you get it. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope like it, without. <laughs> it doesn't affect your raspy voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, so the first three weeks are the hardest, right? So Because that's mm-hmm. when the nicotine is still in your bloodstream and you're f- jumping out of habits, but... Um, Obviously, the pandemic kind of helped, and that like there's nothing. Um, you know, there's the only reason I would like go outside is to go to the store to buy cigarettes, and if you can avoid doing that, that's like one habit, which is to go outside for the sake of cigarettes and breaking mm. out of it. So it's a lot of like again, um, it comes down to focus. Right? My focus was to quit smoking. It was, I was a very I was a moody bitch for a very for a very long time. Um, and, you know, again, it's like an addiction, right? And it's, obviously it's not as big of an addiction as, say, like heroin or cocaine or something. No, like no. That. But it's still an addiction. And it comes down, it, it's a, a desire for something that will give you respite. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm just stressed. And I'm just like, oh, man, I can do with the smoke. And, you know. It up, and I think what it really comes down to is I just want to go out, get some air for like five minutes, just think about nothing, clear my head, release some endorphins in my brain, come back to work, and get shit done. But like, you can still do that, but without buying smoke. cigarettes. Yeah, is that what you did? You kind of just when you wanted to smoke, you'd go stand outside five minutes like you were smoking, but then not actually smoke and yeah. then come back in. I'd just stand on the balcony, look outside for a couple of minutes, come back, stay. That's awesome. 
Um, well, I, I don't want to keep you and your wife uh, from your bedtime uh, for too much longer. So uh, I feel like uh, we'll end it there, Sid. It's been an absolute pleasure. It truly has. Um, and uh, I really do appreciate you talking about all those subjects, uh, particularly with um, the mental health issues. I feel like it's such an important thing. And, you know, opening up about that is it really does help people, like you say. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much for having me.